help my DTC grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. What do you need to do in a changing marketing environment as a DTC brand? With years of experience in e-commerce and a relentless passion for continuous improvement, Chloe is on a mission to help you unlock your business's full potential. As the author of several best-selling books and the speaker at industry events, Chloe has dedicated her career to empower businesses with the tools they need to optimize their online presence and drive real results. From this episode, you will get the answers to the following questions. How can you promote across multiple channels for different customer journey stages? Are there any new marketing opportunities? What has changed? How can you avoid simply following best practices and instead find unique ways to improve? How can you identify valuable customers? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I ask all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now let's get ready! What do you think? How could uh, DTC brands avoid recession or, or avoid decreasing in recession? Oh, that's a big old question. Um, I think there's there's a lot which DTC brands can be doing at the moment. And I think the first thing to do is to not get scared because I think it's very easy just to, just to hear all the miserable news that's around us and just reflect that into your business and just kind of go into, into fear mode. That is the number one thing you need to avoid doing. Proactively, though, what you should be doing is really focusing on the bits of your business that are giving you the best results. Worry about your results and what's happening with your customers because different sectors are seeing very different impacts. Some sectors aren't seeing any impact at all on their sales. Other sectors are being crushed by it. So pay attention to your results and your customers. And most brands are finding that some tweaking of marketing messaging is a really good idea. You know, though I had a, a lovely lady on the podcast a while back called Helen from Cheeky Wipes whose primary product is reusable baby wipes set. So you buy it once and then you can keep reusing it for the life of your child, quite frankly, not just the life of your baby. And historically, they've marketed that a little bit about the money saving side, a little bit about the fact it's kinder to your hands if you've got sensitive skin, and a little bit about the fact that it's a more sustainable way of doing this and it gets rid of all this waste. Their marketing is now 100% about the money saving because that's the way, the best way for them to sell their product at the moment. Nothing's changed about the product, nothing's changed about the price point, but the messaging has changed to reflect what their customers are concerned about right now, whether they need to money save or not, because I find people who aren't financially impacted by what's going on are still going into money saving mode because that's what everyone's telling them to do. So the needs and desires are changed a bit. Yeah, it does seem to be be that way. But I mean, consumer desires are changing all the time. And the recession is, I think they've, they've changed a huge amount this year. And the recession is just one of those things that is changing them as we go into 2023. Another would be the increasing interest in sustainability. That seems to be accelerating as a shift at the moment. Although the, the example I just said, they've moved away from the sustainability messaging into the money messaging first and front and center. I think what we're increasingly seeing is consumers double checking that the brands they're buying for are from even are aiming for the same things as they are. You know, so it's got to be easy to find on the website. It's got to be a sub message in your messaging, that active transparency about where you are on your sustainability journey. So what the consumers want is always what we should be paying attention to. And it's really shifting at the moment. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, the marketing messaging is changing. So maybe the order of, of the most important messages, but how there are other 
changes in marketing landscape. So are there any changes in the changing world more? Oh, so much at the moment. I mean, at the high level, if we get away from like the nitty gritty in, in, in individual tools, at the high level, the biggest shift is down to the huge amount of competition there now is in the space. There's more competition on the ad platforms. There's more competition in people's inboxes. There's more competition just through the, the huge number of e-commerce stores that post-pandemic now exist, which means you're to come back to again, your messaging needs to be perfectly on track to attract the right customers to your business and to cut through all that that noise and that competition. But it also means, especially on the ad platforms, that you need to take your creative up a notch. So you need to look at, um, are you using video yet? Is your video just video for the sake of video or is it properly constructed video that you are optimizing to hook people in give them the right messages about your product and get that sale are you combining that in the right way with the right words the right um, written words the right calls to action the right graphics on your static image ads there's a huge amount to do then I think that's probably the biggest shift we're seeing is that the second at the you know that highest level big shift we've, we're seeing is channel diversification so the days of a brand being able to go, we got to $10 million in 30 days by using Facebook ads, that scenario is is dead and gone. That is no longer an option for you as a business. What you now need to do is, yes, Facebook ads and the other ad platforms are going to be part of your mix, but you need to make sure that you are um, working and optimizing every one of your marketing channels. And you probably need at least two or three to be getting your, getting your business the results that you deserve. So channel diversification and upping your creative output, your your marketing creative across copy, video and imagery are the, the two big, big shifts we're seeing on the channel side of things. Yeah, so how could I make more channels to work? So I, I need to just select two or three channels that I, I work with and focus on there or just uh, spread the word for all, all, all the channels? I mean, I think you've got to take it sensibly and in a way which enables you to do well in each of those channels. There are there are no channels you can do badly in anymore and still get sales. You know, I, I am old enough to remember when Google Ads first came along and it was very easy to make money on Google Ads back then. It's not easy on any of the channels. You've got to be on point. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to be able to have the time and the resources to optimize your activity on any channel because it's going to take weeks or months to get it really working for you. I advise businesses, therefore, to step slowly and step carefully through this. You don't want to suddenly go, here's five channels we're going to master in the next three weeks because it's just not going to work. You're not going to do it well. You're better off working out which is the right channel, the right next channel for you to, to try out. For me, if you want to to be, you know, to really aim for success, you need to have at least one marketing channel that's a free channel. So these channels that we invest in over time and they slowly build up. So that would be organic social or SEO are the two primary ones there. Secondly, a paid channel. You cannot grow an e-commerce brand without paying someone for some advertising anymore. There are so many advertising channels to to pick from now though and there are many which we could term as blue oceans rather than the the fighting over oceans of Facebook and Google. So in fact there's there's interesting strategies on Google that you could describe as blue oceans. Plus I'm seeing brands do stuff on Spotify, podcast ads, um, billboard ads, 
inserts with other retailers. So lots of things you can do in that space. So something paid, something free, and then or free in inverted commas, because we know we've got to put time and effort in, even if we're not spending any money. And then the third one you want to make sure you've got working is your automated marketing, which usually comes down to your email and your SMS. So make sure they are doing their job behind the scenes to make sure you're picking up all those sales from the people in your inquiries list and your past buyers as well. Are there evolving stuff in marketing? So what I need to focus on, for example, I, I don't know what, but are there any new territories that we have to conquer? It, it's interesting because I've, I've been in the industry for like nearly 20 years now. I often get asked what's changed. Yeah, that's why I, I'm asking you. Yeah, it's like everything changes, but everything stays the same. The, the fundamentals of understanding who your customer is, where they hang out and finding a way of getting your message in front of them in that place, that has not changed. You know, that's still still the case today. Um, it's still what you've got to try and do fundamentally in your marketing strategy. What has changed is the tools we can use and in many ways the ease of doing this. Back when I started, it was just to build an email welcome sequence, you know, so you've signed up, here's a series of emails to tell you about us. That would take a couple of days of specking as in writing out what you wanted to build, to then wait for your web guys to um, to quote on it, and it would cost you thousands of pounds. Now you can do it for free with Mailchimp. I mean, you know, and and hundreds of other platforms as well. So, I think there's the ease of doing it has become a lot lot greater, but we're still quite bad at actually doing it. So actually working out what you should do, what you really, really, really need to do rather than what you could, I think is really important. And the other big bit which is coming to help us is now there's huge quantities and opportunities to use AI tools and machine learning tools and automations that will work behind the scenes to make our work perform better. Whether that's personalization on your website, automated personalization in emails and SMS, whether it's getting personalized flyers into your parcels or even using chatbots to write your copy for you there are lots of ways if we deploy it right that ai and machine learning can save us an awful lot of time but you have to bring some intelligence to this otherwise you um you know i've seen brands who have gone ai crazy with with um customer service chatbots and strangely enough it all went horribly horribly wrong you know chatbots can do some great things for you in that space but they're not going to be able to deal with the really difficult, complicated question set. So clever deployment of AI, I suppose, is probably going to be the biggest evolution this coming year. Yeah, use the right tool for the right job. Mm -hmm. Always. (laughs) Always a challenge as well. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe it will create a new type of creativity or intelligence that we are facing also in the marketing world, not not just chat GPT or AIs, but how could we challenge our creativity in in D2C world or in e-commerce? How not to be too creative that it would be go really wrong or how not to follow all the best practices? It's an interesting question because where I always start with coming up with creative ideas is I've usually got a stack of examples of other people's marketing around me, which isn't really being all that creative. It's kind of copying other people. But I think if you've got an eye on what other people are doing, it can spark ideas for you. And that's what I've always found has really helped to help me 
see what's going on. I think looking at other industries can be incredibly interesting too. So um, seeing what's happening in the travel sector, seeing what's happening in the hospitality sector and how they're getting getting consumers to buy. I think we have to keep our eyes open if we want to stay creative and we need to absorb new things to, to see what's going on. We also need to look at what's actually working in our own um, business and speak to our customers and speak to our teams and speak to our suppliers and find out what stories are going on. I was talking to someone yesterday recording a, an interview with them and they were saying they'd started embarking on a sustainability journey with their business and as part of that part of the research process they were calling up their suppliers uh, they're a furniture company so they were calling up their suppliers all around the world to say look we're we're about to embark on this sustainability journey do you do anything in this and they phoned they phoned up someone who was making rugs for them I think it was in India and said what do you do around this and they reeled off a list of like 40 or 50 things that their team was already doing from um, finding ways to make the dyes non-toxic to investing money in local schools to better educate the kids and they were they were like blown away so I think oh my god I need to get one of the team out there to take photographs so we can add this into our marketing because these stories are brilliant and this is what our customers are going to respond to so I think you sometimes you have to be ready to ask the questions of your customers and your suppliers and your team and then suddenly you'll find gold when you had no idea it existed and how could you find gold amongst your customers for example, for UCG content or other promotion practices? Oh, that's a that's a good one. I think UGC is um, something we definitely should be mentioning in this episode because I've seen I've seen a couple of people posting, is UGC over? No. Um, you know, UGC has existed for thousands of years because, you know, humans, we like doing things we know other humans have done and didn't die doing, basically. That's the basic neuro of it all. So anything you can do to show your prospective customers that other humans have bought your product and not only didn't die but they really loved it is an excellent thing to be doing um i love how ugc has, has become such a talking point and how it's evolved so much in the last kind of six 12 months so yeah i think ugc is still super important the challenge is as always getting your customers to create the ugc for you which for some products is an awful lot easier than others and essentially you've got to ask them but it's how you ask them that is the key. And uh, I think the best automated version I've seen is where it's a message from the founders. You buy and then you receive the product and then you get an email, which is from founders of, and it says, hi, Chloe, um, myself and such and such, we co-founded this business X years ago. We're really keen to keep it delivering for our customers. So we'd, we'd love to know what you think about it. And then that feeds into their review tool. But it's not the company going, give us a review. It's the founders going, we created this product for you. We love the fact you've bought it. We want to make it better. Tell us what you think, what you want, what you need. So that personalized approach, even on the automated activity, can be super, super powerful. And then I think it's about if you want to go more in depth, it's about identifying those customers who are already utterly in love with your brand and finding ways to work with them. You can call it micro-influencer campaigns, you can call it VIP, you can call it rewards programs, whatever you want to call it. It's finding those core customers and finding ways that will incentivize them to create the content and to do the talking about you that you want them to do. And that involves actually having a conversation with them one-on-one -on -one if you really want to make it work. Do they want a commission? Do they want free gifts for their friends? Do they just want to feel cool because you retweet their content you know it's it's gonna if you want to really get the most out of each of those relationships you've got to go through the process of actually asking them what's going to make it work for them that's how i'd be tackling ugc this year yeah you have to make connections and and maybe help your customer to tell 
their own story and you should tell your own story and they will have an empathic connection. Yeah, I, I love that. That's another great idea because it's humans like talking to other humans. And if you appear to be a faceless brand, they're less likely to feel a relationship with you and want to help you than if they see the individual people. So yeah, the more you can populate that About Us page and talk about your team, the more likely you are to get humanistic. Anyway, human-centered content coming back from your customers. Yeah, and um, I talked with a lot of uh, guests on my show that um, maybe online world wants to mimic the offline world. For example, giving you a promotion, like if you are in the amongst the rows of the shop and just a shopper will appear that at the back there is a promotion. Or also being grateful for the guy that buy your last shoe from the shoe shop for, from the grandpa who is making the shop. And uh, now you have a really good connection. Are there any more examples that maybe the online uh, selling world wants to mimic the offline world, in your opinion? I think one of the things... Have the experiences. Yeah, I think one of the things we're going to see more of this year is improved unboxing experiences. And I think this is something which you're not necessarily taking it from the, the offline retail world, but from the mail order industry who've been doing this for a long time, the subscription boxes are quite good at this. A couple of the, the pure D2C brands do an amazing job, but a lot of brands in the middle are just doing a terrible job with their unboxing. You know, there's kind of like there's two sides to that parcel delivery one is oh brilliant I've got it it's actually arrived and it's in one piece and it didn't get dropped in a puddle you know um there's that there's like the hygiene factor the parcel arrived when it was supposed to arrive with the right things in it then your opportunity is the wow factor that you can leverage on top of that and exactly what that's going to be is going to change between brand and based on what your customers want. Frequently at the moment, it's going to be recyclable, easy to dispose of packaging. That's going to make most customers happy because it gives them just a little bit of feeling, oh, I did an okay thing here. I haven't hurt the planet. Um, But it's also about your branding, entertaining them a bit with the unboxing piece. I got a delivery from Wild, the the reusable deodorant people in the UK who are very, very cool D2C brand. And in it, it said it's all about the bass as, as how you take a part, you know, so playing on that song, it's all about the bass, it's all about the bass, um, but all about the B-A-S-E, as in you have to twist it down to the bass to take the top off to put the new deodorant in the canister, which I thought that's a lovely little bit of humour that just just lifts the the experience of unboxing a little bit and then beautiful packaging all recyclable and in there is a flyer that that has three parts to it that I can rip off and give to someone else for 50% off their first order how much do I wish I'd had one of those before I placed my first order with them gutted but will I be handing those flyers out to friends quite possibly because I'm a big fan of their products so it's just that little extra push to give someone else a better deal so I think you know you can put that in you can put in notes from from your friends. Uh, I know some brands who give away free gifts. So there's um, a a lovely little brand in the UK who create products from beeswax, so skincare brand based on beeswax. And they are, their kind of mission as a business is to save the bee population. So they give a free gift in every box of a packet of wildflower seeds, which they buy in massive sacks. And then they've printed off and created just some, some small cardboard envelopes, paper envelopes to put these seeds in that are all branded up in their branding. And so it costs them pennies 
each of these free gifts. But the impact on the customer base is really strong. It's helping with their mission. And if and the customers who are like, oh my God, this is amazing. I've got some extra wildflower seeds. They are their best advocates anyway. So it really appeals to the core customers who they want coming back and buying again. So I think the the area I think we're going to see more in this year is well-personalized unboxing experiences. And there's a couple of um, tech brands, software brands now helping us add personalized parcel inserts into email marketing sequences, for want of a better phrase. So you can automate it and personalize it. A couple of different different tech providers offering that. And I'm sure there's more than two. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people use that. But for me, that's an old world tactic coming back because it's something I was doing in my very first job at e-commerce was putting stuff in parcels to make customers happy and to drive more sales. So yeah, it's kind of cool to see that coming back. Yeah, you have to live long enough to see <laughs> <to laughs> yeah, these traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's a circle. <laughs> Everything is a circle. Yeah. And uh, you, you talked about uh, seeds. And also, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for DTC brands to grow. There is four quick questions that I'm always asking my guests. So the first one is, what books or influencers would you recommend to re- read or follow as a DTC brand? Of course, you, Chloe, but other than you? My favorite DTC book at the moment is a book called The Power of Scarcity, which I read at the end of 2022. And I've done an interview with the author who's going to be on my podcast very, very soon, Mindy Weinstein. And she has, you know, we talk about scarcity is kind of cool, but she's broken it down into into key different ways you can use the tactic of scarcity to improve sales in your business without needing to discount and to avoid us having this whole overstock issue that people are having at the moment. So I'm super excited about her book and mentioning it as often as I can. So thank you for letting me. Yeah, you're welcome. The second one is, what is the biggest mistake that a DTC brand could make? The single biggest one? Failing to optimize. My years running ads for people, my years looking at e-commerce businesses, it's putting something live, assuming it's working and never, ever changing it. You are leaving money on the table. And if you're doing that with your ads, you are giving money away every day until you optimize. So failing to optimize your business and your marketing is the number one biggest mistake. The third one, uh, could you tell me your quick growth tip related to DTC brands? Oh, see, I want to say keep optimizing again, but that's a bit of a cop out, isn't it? So I will say instead, get to understand your customers' motivations, why they want to buy your product, why they want to buy it from you and not the competition, and then weave that back into all your marketing communications from the website to the emails to the ads to everything else. And the last question would be, would be, what tools would you recommend for a DTC brand to grow? Oh, gosh, so many. Um, you need core. You need a decent email marketing system. Be that Klaviyo, be that Omnisend, be that something else. You need one of those. As you start growing, if you want to make your life easier, then you need a system that's going to automatically personalize the website. If you've got plenty of SKUs, that is, if you only got one SKU, you probably don't need that. But if you've got multiple SKUs to make sure you've got the right message in front of the right customer at the right time, you need to apply that to the website as well. And then after that, it really does all start to depend on where you're selling, how you're selling, who you're selling to. I get very um, excited by tools and software but what you always have to remember is you need to have a problem you're trying to solve before you buy a new tool that's my number one tip around that (laughs) yeah an app wouldn't just solve the issues magically no you have to think about it yeah we live in an ai world and we have to think 
what a shame. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Chloe, for your interview. Thanks, Miklos. Lovely to chat with you. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.